Hi, Jimmy here. Welcome to a special spoiler-filled bubble episode where we unpeel Ryan Johnson's glass onion. There's a few things we didn't mention in the pod, not least the cheeky Beatles reference, but as Sheppy pointed out to me yesterday, we didn't even mention our favourite whodunits. For the record, his is the 1978 Death on the Nile. Mine is Chris Nolan's 2000 mystery thriller Memento. Maybe a memento is a bit of a cop-out, in which case honourable mentions to Gosford Park, family favourite The Mirror Cracked, and, if I'm being cheeky, JFK. Do you have a favourite whodunit? We'd love to hear it. Reach out to us at ShouldersPod on Instagram or through our website, shoulderspod.com, and let us know. Gotta say, right now, hot off the press and with little perspective on the matter, Glass Onion is pretty high on the list and it was a treat to catch up with Cheppy about it. We purposefully didn't even exchange an SMS about our thoughts on the movie before recording this, so hope you enjoy it. I have recommended some bloody podcasts in my time. And I think Smartless was on my radar due to Conan O'Brien's podcast. But mm. fucking hell, man. It's such a little treat. It's a chocolate box. <laughs> Goodness, like, it's exactly what you hope it will be for Will Arnett and, uh, you know, to not know who the guest is and then have to catch it and then interview them, you know. And, like, that's the whole gimmick. <laughs> one of the three, like, you know, invites someone. Yeah. Man, it's been wonderful. And then... I, I listened to the Bradley Cooper one uh, just yesterday. I'm doing it all over the place and uh, just with people I'm interested in. But flipping, I, I, I won't spoil it for you, but I will, just one little nugget. I didn't even know that Arnett and Cooper lived together. They flattered together. And so there's just, and, oh, and wow. it like Cooper will be a wee bit reserved now, given where he is in Hollywood or what he's doing, you know. But yeah, he, he's, man, they, it's an it's a very eye-opening oh, pod from both the Arnett and Cooper perspective. If you're fans of them, like it's really interesting. They both show a different side to their personality in a very interesting way. Oh, I, really I love it. it! I really dug it, and um, yeah, it's it's just great, Sheppy. It's a lovely little antidote. I, I've binged it on about six or seven now, and I need to pause because I'm finding myself like, no, no, I. It's not like they repeat themselves too much, but I know I'm gorging it too much. So I've just got to now just stop and play with a couple of others. But yeah. Have you seen Murderville? Have we talked yes. about that? No, we haven't talked about it, but yeah. That's a little piece as well, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, because that's another Christmas one that I forgot to mention on my Christmas essay oh, yeah. um, that I did the Christmas one with Bateman and that was, and, and Rudolph. And that was that was great. It was great, wasn't it? And even Bateman yeah. knowing I've got a very long time to think about how I'm going to get you back for this. Like, you know, <laughs> lovely moment where he says, I really like, should we say who we are and what we're here for? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, why not? Would you like to go first? I'd love I think that. that's Thank the usual. Well, hello, listener, and welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jimmy. Hello, I'm Sheppy. <laughs> these, these suits have been well worn by now, Sheppy, but they were, were wearing them well. Uh, we they are the stink. 
<laughs> far too warm, <laughs> like embarrassingly so. Ever since I've watched Seinfeld, I've never trusted dry cleaners, so that's that's what it's. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yes, Sheppy, regularly we are the What If podcast um, for movie sequels and prequels, but today we're going to have a spoiler-filled chat about the recent Ryan Johnson flick, The Last Onion. Uh, and yes. probably a few spoilers sprinkled in there with regards to the original Knives Out. So that's well, absolutely. So 100%, if you haven't seen Knives Out or Glass Onion and you don't want it to be totally ruined, either of them, then uh, watch them and then have a listen. Because both of these films are absolutely whodunits, and we are going to mention whodunit in both those cases. So there you go. And if if anything else comes up, uh, we'll, we'll shout out, spoiler alert, if we mention anything else, which we might, it depends. I, mean, I am going to mention some other whodunits, but I won't necessarily say whodunit for those ones. But if I do, I'll give a warning. Uh, but I can't imagine I will. So so that's all tasty. Yes. I saw Glass Onion about a week ago, and you saw it about two or three weeks ago. I did. So I've been sitting giggling excited to talk to you because it's one of those movies that is something you're you're quite keen to debrief on with people right you just want to have a little bit of a chat because it's it's a lot of fun and does it achieve some i mean rug pulls potentially but certainly some fun twists and turns and uh, yes. and i think uh you know i we we have not spoken a jot about this movie yet so i'm very excited to hear whether you like yeah. it even i don't even know if you liked it and, um, i'll <laughs> tell you this i spoke to some people who much 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 preferred um uh and don't worry i haven't cheated on you jimmy i didn't talk to them about it particularly <laughs> but they just happened to mention to me that they preferred knives out to this um i i liked knives out when i saw it at the cinema but I don't know what it was. I, I There was something about it that I liked, but I guess it says something that I haven't revisited it since. Um, so I'm not sure. Whereas maybe because therefore I knew kind of more, because it's not just clever twists about how the murder is done or who the murderer is. There's a lot of convention bending um, in the whole structure of both of these films which is nice but maybe that was something which I didn't necessarily respond to for the first film whereas maybe it's because the main murder wasn't really a murder in Knives Out or maybe I misremembered it wasn't it was kind yeah. of almost like an accident was, so yeah. so with that in mind maybe I didn't totally respond to it Whereas Glass Onion, I knew I was aware that it was going to be bendy, bendy, twisty, twisty in terms of convention and structure and so on. And the little twists are the person who dies and the person who you think is going to die in Glass Onion. Um, and therefore the murderer is... I mean, I don't know why I'm dancing around it. We've already given, like, all the yeah, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> so Batista is the murderee. And um, and that in itself is the twist. Another little twist is that Edward Norton isn't the mastermind that you all assume he is. In that mastermind meaning, he's not that bright. One of the twists is he's not uh, a genius at all. 
and he's also a massive opportunist and blah 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 um so that's nice and of course yes edward norton is the murderer which since it's all set up you absolutely assume because always in the films that i've seen which are primarily agatha christie adaptations it's always the hated figure who is the murdered person and everyone has a motive because they all hate the murdered person for different reasons whereas in this case there's a little twist in that it, he's not the murdered person and then on top of that he is the murderer so and I, I responded to that so that straight away i liked whereas i guess in the christopher Plummer case in knives out the twist there or the bending bending convention was that he's really likable and he's a nice person and he's the murdered person or the person who dies but they're always usually again and um but in my experience the, the, the murdered person is always as is a, is a prick um and that's certainly the case in the three main Agatha Christie's that I guess are very famous, which is Murder on the Orient Express and Evil Under the Sun and Death on the Nile. And so this was, that was, a, so in itself, that's a good twist, but maybe that was something else that I didn't respond to as much the first time round, so I should visit it. I, I, I hear you, Sheppy. I think this, this film is eminently more rewatchable for me, the sequel. And, uh, and as a complete film, that little bit more coherent and enjoyable, maybe. I think the first half of the original Knives Out is on a pedestal above anything that's in Glass Onion. That that moment where you you think you know exactly how it's going to play out in Knives Out to a degree. I mean, it's a Ryan Johnson movie, but you know, you're sitting in the cinema and then you have that pill mix up and you know suddenly plumber is is actually going to be accidentally killed by his you know his lovely assistant you're like yeah holy shit and um and i i just i just remember feeling the prickle in the cinema of that moment and it's just being like really quite an extraordinary thing and i just loved it and i thought there's nothing this film can do now it's almost like it's just one of those scenes where you think i'm just I'm just fucking loving this scene so much. This is such a great idea. Wow, wow, wow. And then I feel yeah. like it's sort of slightly, and again, I haven't seen it since the movies, but my, my memory is that it slightly wobbles a wee bit under Captain America going a bit wonky and sort of zipping mm. around in his car a bit. And then it sort of doubles down and there's a double pill mix up, which didn't quite land. But but I like the fact that then she ends up with the house and whatnot, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. But I think... You know, it's a good movie, but the second half for me isn't quite as strong. So therefore, Glass right. Onion for me is a, is a coherent piece. It's right. a little bit sillier. So therefore, there's lots of funny gags. A couple I really would definitely want to mention to see whether they made you LOL too. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, there's, so there's that. Can I say quickly before I forget, just to what you just said yeah. about Evans as well, who, yes, was the murderer in Knives Out. Um, that's another little twist. The murdered, you know, plumber is nice, and the person who turns out to be the murderer is a nasty person all the way through. And that itself is kind of like a double twist on expectations because <laughs> it's always the nice person who turns out to be the murderer. But no, it's so it's like, well, it can't be Evans because he's horrible. And so it really plays on that convention and expectations, which is genius. So, so I like that. And may I say also, let's not forget that the murderer in, or the baddie 
in both of these films is a Marvel superhero. So that's nice. So if RTJ turns up in the next one, hold on to your socks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or Tom Holland. <laughs> that would be a good yeah. one. The, the, the nicest man in the world, maybe, in Hollywood. Um, but then you can't hire him for, for Who Done It because he always gives away the plot in every interview, <laughs> every film he's in. <laughs> he's famous for it. Him and Ruffalo, they're never going to get hired by John Tenney because they'll instantly give it away. <laughs> nice. That's a good point. Well, he's already had one half, isn't he? So he doesn't need another. Well, um, yeah. What a role for Norton, though. Talking Hulks, like I mean, he has a hoot in this, doesn't he? Sort of being your surrogate Musk or whatever. Like and when he turns up yeah. in the flashback and he's dressed like Tom Cruise in Magnolia, that <laughs> gave me a a, a quack. I, I I let out. <laughs> I, I did a bit of a crow, so that was nice. Yes, <laughs> yeah, pure one hundred percent Magnolia Cruise, which really yeah. made me happy. <laughs> Yeah, I really, I, I have to say, it was, it was just wonderful. And I just, I mean, I, how, I don't know how we want to structure Sheppy beyond like the general chat, but I have written some bits and bobs down. I definitely wanted to mention to you. Shall I just rattle through them a little bit? Let's see if it prompts stuff for you. So, a one of the greatest cameos of <laughs> all time. I'm saying with you, Grant. Right? Yeah. It's just a yeah. Treat. I mean, I know that's not really the most top end of the conversation that we really need to talk about, but it just happened to be top of my what list. What I'll say is that, first of all, that's a nice reveal because you hear his voice first, but you don't think, wait a minute, that sounds like you got. And when he pops yeah. up, you're like, that's great. Secondly, I like the fact that, yeah, so that's nice that they're in this nice relationship and it's just like there and it's just happening and that's all you need. And that's, that's <laughs> lovely. Thirdly, actually, Camille Nanjiani ruined that for me and he said mm. oh there's this really nice reveal where you granted and I was like well thanks very much you just said oh it's really unexpected when this happened so I was like well thanks Camille but then I totally forgot when I was watching it and so we turned up it still gave me like not only like oh yeah I forgot that he was in it but also I still obviously wasn't expecting the door to open and find out that like <laughs> Benoit's boyfriend was bloody Grant so that was lovely. <laughs> it is a really lovely reveal. It's just throwaway, like you say, and I really, I really like it. I really like it. It's so um, random. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'll save that. This next one for the last thing that I was just going to put in the bullet. I, I, I see what your view is, but I want to say, man, of all the performances, and there's a lot of fun to be had in all the performances, particularly Craig in some ways. Like he's just mm. let's just play, spend a moment with Daniel Craig actually, because like, I mean. The it's so nice seeing yeah. him having a good time because, I mean, obviously his Bond is never really very happy. And so it's just nice seeing him playing a character who's happy between this and that vodka advert. Um, it's just really nice seeing him having fun. Yeah, I agree, man. He just, this, and even the swimming costume. And well, can I mention the swimming costume since you bring that up? Although this might lead to a massive tangent, which is, but, so first of all, the swimming costume, which is clearly, you know, a play on the sort of the 1920s person going on to, you know, abroad or going to the beach. And it's very, very Jack Tatty 
and that's a clear reference and that's great and with the little neckerchief and everything but I will say I mentioned Evil Under the Sun now when I was growing up there were two films uh, two Agatha Christie's that we watched a lot and they were the Euston off Poirot's um, Death on the Nile and Evil Under the Sun and I've mentioned Death on the Nile a few times on this body and I love it and it does hold up and it is you know, it's it's mixed in with nostalgia and all of that, but really it is, it, you know, and then when you watch even the Suchet adaptation, it's not as good. And then the Branagh, and you know, I love Branagh, but it's just not great, that film. Whereas the Houston of, you know, even on the, uh, Death of the Nile, it is, to my money, absolutely the best whodunit ever made. Um, but, Evil Under the Sun is like this nice kind of sorbet after the, the steak of Death of the Nile. Death of the Nile is very, very meaty. Um, and Evil Under the Sun is kind of lighter. And, and anyway, I mention all of this because there are clearly many, many um, influences and homages and nods to Evil Under the Sun in Glass Onion. Not least, of course, it's on an island in this nice sunny climate and everything. But also, the Jacques Tati stripy swimming costume is what it's not exactly what Ustinov is wearing but he does have this whole thing going on when he goes for a quote-unquote swim um in a scene and that's you know and they're, they're both because of that era that's what people wore but it might you know I refuse to believe it's it's not you know it's a total coincidence and, and whilst I'm talking about the comparisons the the clock the bong uh, which goes off every hour. That's clearly a reference to the noonday gun, which is the cannon that goes off every day at 12 in Evil Under the Sun and is a large plot point. I will, one thing though, is that yes, it's lovely and it's a nice reference, but it doesn't really play in. And you could say, oh, it's a red herring, but it, but the the clock going off every hour does is, is sort of incidental and it's like well it would be nice if it played more of a part but my final point on that is the, the voice which is the clock in glass onion is do you know do you know no, who it is, who is it? it's um joseph gordon levitt oh, um, no. who's in all of johnson's films in every single one uh with in some capacity so that's nice oh that's great <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. I didn't know that. <laughs> hey, it, uh, before it, is that the evil under the sun piece, or did you have anything more to say? I just want to say on the cameos. I mean, we've got to talk Lansbury as well, right? I mean, geez. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> and there you go. And there's your Death on the Nile connection. So yeah, that was lovely. Um, and also Stephen Sonnerheim was also on that Zoom chat thing, the game they're playing. Um, and Lansbury and Sonnenheim worked together many, many times over the years on stage and so forth. So that was lovely. Um, yeah. And also, since she recently passed, that was extra nice seeing yeah. her there because you know, who doesn't love a bit of hand? So, yeah. That's great. Nice, Sheppy. I'm not going to tell you I haven't seen Evil Under the Sun. I'm going to edit that bit out. From your memory nothing surprises me anymore Jimmy <laughs> I'm still reeling from death uh, from uh, death becomes that uh, honestly <laughs> so, um, so you know whatever nothing you can say would shock me at this point and also that doesn't 
you know, it doesn't make me sad particularly. I mean, it does make me a little bit sad, but only a tinge, uh, only half a tear, because it's a very specific film. So it's not like, what? Whereas, of course, Death in the Nile, I mean, uh, Death Becomes Her, you know, <laughs> that's that the, the biggest Robert Zemeckis film ever made. <laughs> the one that people always think of when they think of Robert Zemeckis. So, yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, we have to do a fifth Robert Zemeckis pod now with uh, Death Becomes Him. <laughs> so that's nice. But yes, that was lovely. You talked Tia, and I wanted to say that the moment where the film effectively, you know, um, flips on itself and we learn that there's a twin and all this stuff. And like, I, I think um, just one of the double G, one of the geniuses of Ryan Johnson is that you think even within Ryan Johnson's twist, you've got it. And then of course he bloody doubles you again. Like, you know, but you know, we're, we're having a little family debrief or need to put Cozzy out for a pee or something just after like, you know, literally at the moment of reveal, you know, and then we're going to get the whole, uh, the, the movie obviously when it flips and goes backwards and you get the preparation of the, the twin sister and all that stuff and to come into the party. But then, and then I'd say to G, course that's why you know he's a bit upset old uh, Daniel Craig <laughs> and, um, and that's why he's got a little <laughs> tear when she's been shot you know but of course when they double down on that and then he's again as yeah. well you know tears working and all that sort of stuff it's really <laughs> cool it's really yeah. happy it made me really happy um, and the whole him receiving the box and Grant saying there's a box here for you but then you find out and he's not invited and so yeah there's lots of that. And of course, Norton's reaction when he sees her is like, well, obviously it's because he murdered her. So he's like, what the fuck? So that's amazing. And oh, the world's greatest detective is here as well. So yeah, he holds it together pretty well, uh, considering. By the way, the random dude who's just on the island, who's not touched by any of it, um, that, that was that lovely. I, I like that. Brilliant red herring, is it? You keep expecting him to have something, but no, no. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I was really hoping he wasn't going to turn out to be anything because it was just nice and really random. The yeah. red herring that I really liked was Catherine Hahn bumping into, I guess, Norton or or Batista, um, in and and it's like it's it was sort of subtle, but not really. And you're like, is that? you know it, it, it wasn't thrown down your face or anything but it's like I kind of hope that's not a thing and it wasn't and that was a massive red herring and, a, and an effective one whereas it like they say in the film you see Batista with Norton and him saying I'm going to do this and he goes oh we'll sort it out and it's like you're told right there and it's not subtle but it's right there in plain sight and you don't connect it and that that's actually really clever so I like that. And even the, I mean, I don't necessarily know that it's a red herring in many people's minds, but it was in mine. But just the, the you know, Norton's solution to COVID with the little mouth spray. At the yeah. beginning. And it's like, you know, will there be some kind of side effect to this COVID cure that he has right. invented, you know, and uh, I was sort of perhaps waiting for that to come back in. But uh, by the way, Kate Hudson's mouth i just thought of it. <laughs> like the, the mouth, that made me laugh out loud i love her yeah. face mask it's amazing she was very good and the fact really of fun. course that it sets up the whole covid right in the height of quarantine and then it cuts to her in this ridiculous party <laughs> you know in, in a flat and that's that's nice as well 
yeah she was great she she played that so perfectly yeah. uh so yeah, so, yeah just horrible, horrible. <laughs> uh, think, that was great I think my favorite performance of the lot, or at least my surprise, was this Janelle Monet. I don't really know her from anything. And mm. I just thought she was absolutely spectacular as both the sisters. I just thought yeah. she was great in it and had a lot of heart and like just just lots of nuanced her performance and was just, you know, played each scene so it can be interpreted on second watch yeah. both ways and like all that clever stuff. I just thought she was brilliant. Yeah, really yes. good. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, actually. Um, it's like da uh, Anadamas in the first one. I didn't think I'd seen her in anything, but I had totally seen her in Blade Runner because she's so different and unglamorous in Knives Out that it was, it was nice. So there is going to be a third one film in this series with Craig and Johnson, obviously. And I'm wondering if, this, if there's going to be another female sort of sidekick who's integral to the whole thing um or not um or if that in itself will be a uh, a spoiler or you know like oh it's going to turn out that this person's the murderer because it's been established that you know, da, 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 you know that sort of thing which is nice love that yeah it'd be great and i i mean obviously you probably you probably want to just sort of totally recast it around craig but you know, I would like to see those. They've got great chemistry together, those two. So just do something else together. That would be really nice. I'd like to see that because they, they just had it. She brought out a lot of goodness in Craig, I think. It was really Are fun. you talking about Glass Onion? Yeah, sorry, Janelle herself. I just, I know they won't bring her back. And so, well, who knows? But, you know, uh, but I, I would assume they would recast around him in the third one. But, like, it would be great just to see him partner up with her in another movie. Totally different friends yeah. sort of thing. She, she just brought out some good stuff in Craig. I thought it was nice. It's a real no time oh. to die, would it be? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, lovely. No, um, everyone was great. Let me say a little, not to build something up and knock something else down, and I've mentioned that I love Branagh, but that Death on the Nile that he did, did you see that? I did, yeah. I quite liked it. But... Uh, well, look, let's not get into <laughs> it, but I'll just say this. When I first heard the cast, I was like, oh, that's like, it's a bit embarrassing, right? This is meant to be like a major Hollywood, like, film. And, mo you know, these films oh, okay. since at least the Albert Finney and maybe before, but certainly that's the one that I'm also familiar with and the Ustinovs and all of that. They always have stellar cast and Orient Express had a pretty strong cast and, the, you know, Depp as, as the main murdered. And all of that and then this cast is like well you got your french and saunders and russell brand you're like russell brand well, yeah. well no but i don't give a fuck i'm just saying that it was a shit cast it was like sub bbc <laughs> lunchtime i like russell brand but i like french and saunders but it's not exactly you know a-list hollywood player like fucking hell how did they get them so yeah. that that was embarrassing whereas glass onion um and 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 of course knives out were pure proper you know and that's how it should be like you know it was i was embarrassed for Branagh. embarrassed so <laughs> there you go i would say people would be falling over themselves to be in part three Sheppy. falling over themselves like onto their agent get me in there somehow you know, get me a lunch with ryan johnson or whatever you know because that is a hoot and that is just something you want to be part of for sure 
Yeah. Let me um, ask you, in terms of Ryan Johnson, do you have a favourite off the top of your head of his films? I, I feel like I need to rewatch them all again. I want to revisit Looper, because I'd imagine that has a really strong chance of being number one. I oh. think um, I love... Uh, I actually really enjoyed this, Sheppy. I've got to be honest. Um, mm. Last Jedi has some moments. I've never seen uh, Brick, the first one. Well, that's my favourite. Oh, um, wow. Holy shit. Well, I'll get straight on to that then. Well, that's great. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. What, what lucky old me. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, sidestepping the Last Jedi of it all, just because of that's a slightly hot potato, but I will say... Um, I, there's a lot in it that I don't like, but I, it does have possibly, it certainly has my favourite scene from that trilogy, and that's the after the death, of, oh, the spoilers for Last Jedi, after the death of Snoke, and then that lightsaber fight uh, yeah. with the Imperial Guard and, and them. Um, that's, that's so good, that scene. Um, absolutely amazing. So I like that. Um, that that's um, he did do the brothers thingy the brothers um, and I don't remember exactly the brothers brothers the sister brothers it's got a funny title yeah. and it's Ruffalo so there you fucking go so maybe don't count out Hulk <laughs> Eric Banner's waiting by the phone but I'll tell you this um, and it's and of course it's Joseph Gordon Levitt um, and it's I think and it's Adrian Brody, I think is the third brother. I saw that 10 years ago and it didn't win me over, but I, I now I want to rewatch that. I believe that was his second film. Um, so yeah, he, he certainly, you know, he does what he wants to do with Johnson. You gotta yeah, respect that's, that. That's an interesting point, Sheppy. I like that. I wanted so just before we lose The Last Jedi as well, I wanted to say that watching Glass Onion and watching him sort of just generally, exactly like you say, do what he wants to do. It just made me realize like, I don't, I think he, he has some degree of the culpability in the trilogy snafu of that second Star Wars trilogy, but less than I would have said before I watched Glass Onion, which is to say Star Wars brought him in. They knew what they were bringing in. They knew yes. what they're dealing with. He did his thing which you hired him to do, Star Wars peeps. And then basically the real problem is then bloody trying to wreck on it in a third. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. actually just, you know, accept he did some fun stuff and didn't just do the same old, same old. And that's pretty cool, actually. Now, one of the interesting things about Last Jedi, though, and I was listening to another pod and it's called The Big Picture. And I heartily recommend that. Not quite as yeah. much as if we do keep it the bit, the one at the beginning. But it's a really good little picture with some very articulate film journalists on it. And I was listening to um, their review of Glass Onion and they had an interesting theory on um, an element of it. And I don't know whether it's true or not. I don't know that Ryan Johnson will ever say that this is true, but it's an interesting theory, I thought, which is that, you know, Ryan Johnson's got a history of sort of sticking a middle finger up a bit as well. So, you know, e.g. burning the Jedi texts in Last Jedi. And, um, and yeah, but he doesn't actually because the Jedi text, then you see them, they're, they're hidden on the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's true, so, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, good point. But, but in terms of the convention stuff, um, he does like you know, shaking things up. I, I'm all for shaking things up, 
Yeah. My whole problem, I should just say, with The Last Jedi isn't, I don't think, what most people have a problem with. A lot of people don't like Canto Bright. My only problem with Canto Bright is you're told that basically, you know, the Empire, I mean, you're told there's a whole, like, society, a whole universe that's untouched by this war, essentially, in the stars, that um, the rebels and, or the, you know, or the New Republic and the Empire, they're doing their thing, but there's like a whole galaxy which is untouched, which on one hand might sound clever and maybe they were all high-fiving about that, but it absolutely belittles everything, you know? It's a big universe, so it's got to peter out somewhere. But ultimately, the fact that people are like there and like, oh, we're selling weapons to them and to the Empire, it's like, uh, it just, it really, that that's my problem. And also that whole Canto Bright loop where they go there and then they come back and they bring um, Benicio and all of that. It's, it's a loop that closes itself and it's all pointless and it's all needless and it doesn't do anything to further the plot. And they land on the beach or something and it's illegal parking and that's what gets them noticed and that's what gets them having to hurry out of there, which is how they get caught which ends up wiping out like 99% of the, the goodies. And it, and maybe that's the point. And maybe it's like, oh, well, you never know. You know, it's the butterfly effect. But again, it was it was really badly conceived, at least for me. So yeah, that was my really specific true. problem with that film. More than anything else, I have no problem with, with most of it. Um, and I never had a problem with Leia having the force. That always seemed absolutely logical to me that she would. Um, so that's that's fine. So anyway, there you go. I, I hear you, man. I totally all of that take down. Um, one of the uh, the things there, there was just the Mona Lisa in Glass Onion, right? It's like it's so. It's really heavy. It's very heavily referenced, right? It's very heavily referenced, and really doesn't necessarily have too much to do beyond what it's saying about the character and his inspiration or whatever and all that stuff. But you know that that. In the end, though, um, there just to cut to the theory and probably butcher it a wee bit, but the bottom line was they were saying, you know, the fact that it burns at the end is that Ryan Johnson saying to Netflix, you know, look, um, here is something that is revered as as art, and you know, you guys are effectively, you know, taking people out of the movie theaters a little bit, and I'm prepared to take your coin. I'm happy to take your coin, and we're going to make some cool movies together, but. You should know, right? Do you know what I mean? And that right. is, so just basically in there, his little Easter egg is that you know we're we're effectively slightly destroying the, you know, the the cinematic experience of movies. Maybe you know. I think that I mean that's interesting, um, absolutely. But I I, I don't think so. Uh, I think that's a bit of a stretch. And by the way, it was released, you know, selectively, but it was released theoretically, theatrically. Um, so it was out in the cinemas, and so no, I, I really think that's a that's a hell of a stretch um, to think about that. Um, it is it ties in nicely with the oh, your name will always be associated with the Mona Lisa. It's the second film I think I've seen where the Mona Lisa gets burnt and destroyed, and it's not a copy; it is the Mona Lisa that gets destroyed and burnt. Uh, the first one I think was the one with Christian Bale. Um, Equilibrium. I'm pretty sure it was the Mona Lisa in that, which also gets flame thrown. So there you are. Um, called Mona Lisa is just because it's the most recognizable painting, I think, in the world. Um, so, <laughs> so there you are. 
I like that. I was hoping that the sliding, you know, glass or you know, plastic thing, the the safety partition was going to play. Oh, it's a real clock bomb wannabe. Mm. I was hoping it was going to play something more to it, but it did add to the building of tension with it going up and down, up and down, and then of course the reveal of the button and it going and then you know setting it on fire. So that was all cool, and I like it, and it is good, and also. Again, it's Johnson like it's a bit like killing Hitler and Inglorious Bastards. That's not a spoiler at this point, surely. But it's like you don't think the Mona Lisa, you're told it is the Mona Lisa, it is the Mona Lisa, you're not expecting it to actually get destroyed, and it it, it does. And that that's that's nice, you know, it's even though you know the film, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, in that universe now the Mona Lisa doesn't exist. Although you can be sure the public will never know. I um I got two LOLs I just wanted to reference to Sheppy, which is just I love the takedown of um Edward Norton's murder mystery plan for the weekend <laughs> and, um, yeah. and how the arrow just lands in his chest. It's just the most beat, isn't it? Like, yeah. lovely, lovely moment at the dinner table that and uh, <laughs> and then my favorite, but honestly, it's got this whole ROL roar out loud, which has just really made me laugh. And I'm just gonna like put a pin there and see if it's the same. Have you have you got a moment that really made you laugh out loud, Sheppy? I don't think so. Well, basically, just Serena Williams being in the training room while they're talking, <laughs> and it's a woman's video screens. And then she's just like, Do you guys want to work out or what? It's your time. <laughs> it's like amazing. Yes. It's so amazing that she was there the whole time. It's a lot broader, isn't it, than the first one on that? Like, it's someone's sauce, isn't it, or something? Am I right? It's some kind of special sauce, chili sauce from a celebrity. And I can't remember. Was it was that Levitt as well, or it was someone? Oh, you're talking. Jeremy you're Renner. About the thing you, yeah. You're talking sure. about the thing he rubs on his eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is it Renner? Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so random. It's yeah, so random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think I could afford, um, but I think a few times I barked with mirth. So yes, yes, it's good stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, the Serena Williams was was amazing. Like, and I think he really like. I'd be really interested to see where he goes for a third one because you've got that this 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 I guess that you could if you wanted to like put your social commentary on it. I don't and again I haven't seen this in cinema, but I think there's a pretty strong immigration thing going through Knives Out, right? That first one is pretty strong, like you know, and um, she gets the cash, she's the goodie, etc. And all the others are pretty much you know they're, they're the evil. old money. Yeah, and then the the second one just goes for so many takedowns. You've got. You read on Musk, you've got your bloody, you know, Joe Rogan kind of thing with Batista. You've got like, you know, it's like all these people sort of representing so many things in that. Right. And then the third one, like, where does he go? Like, do you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm just, I, I think that's going to come very naturally to him just in terms of writing. He said that it's not Elon Musk, but, you know, yeah. it, it, there's obviously a, something there. But I will also say, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos is another clear connection, which again, Netflix is like, ha ha, but I'll say this. Um, also, I, what I'm interested in, so the first one is obviously the classic Cluedo murder mystery in a big old house. The second one is your Evil Under the Sun. 
at both at very specific locations. Also, the, the, just the weather, the, the climate, you know, it's like one is really sunny, one is kind of overcast. So what would the next one be in terms of location? That interests me. Would it be a vehicle like a train or something? Probably not a boat because that's too similar to the island. So and not a train because that's too obviously like Orient Express. So what? Plane would be good. Plane would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, a great big plane. And they can't land and all of that stuff. Yes, yes, that would be good. So that would work. And that would be a nice twist on, on the train. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that would be nice. And it is, you know, it's happening. Um, Netflix originally, when they, you know, when they got the rights and everything, they said two films, we'll sign you up for two films on the condition that Craig is in both of them. But yes, if Craig's there, then we'll, we'll make these films. And Craig is up for it. And it's nice. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think he's going to be... Well, obviously, he will be remembered. It will be Bond first in the Craig obituary, but then Benoit Blanc, you know, who knows? Oh, obviously not to our friends in the North fan over here. But, yeah, <laughs> um, people are, are big fans of this, um, and yeah. rightfully so. It's a, it's a really lovely performance from Craig. Craig has, um, I think, a slight reputation for being humorless, which is, clearly not the case not just because of his performances here but like little things little photos you see behind the scenes of the Bond films he's having a good time you know he's not just glum despite his comments after Spectre came out and stuff and he is like having a nice time he's just always been a bit uncomfortable in the spotlight I think yeah um, so, but yeah good for him I really like the hat he was wearing in the bar by the way at the beginning um <laughs> kind of that's Turkish type thing um, I liked that. That was nice. <laughs> Is it a fez? I can't actually remember that. It's not a fez, um, and it might not even be Turkish, but like, something tells me maybe it's Greek. Um, but yeah, I, I want to say actually it's Greek um, and the tassel. I've got, well, not personally, but there's one like that in, in my mum's house, um, which is not dissimilar. And next time I'm there, I'm jumping in the bath. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a murder mystery zoom with you, Sheppy, as long as there's enough bubbles in that bar. Um, yeah. <laughs> there um, certainly will be. I'm not <laughs> talking bubblicious. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm happy on Glass Onion Sheps. If you are, have you got other bits you wanted to mention? or? Um... I hadn't prepared anything for this, which okay. is part of the joy of these little bubbles, so I'm sure little things will come up. Yeah. Um, I liked everyone. Of course, it was a nice seeing Batista and Craig together again. Uh, that was nice. I liked all of the supporting players. I thought everyone was really good. Um, I, uh, yeah, I would, I would only be up for re-watching both that and Knives Out just to sort of reassess it. Um, just to do that sort of. And also, of course, any film with twists and turns, it's nice to watch it again, knowing where it's going. You see all these later elements and stuff. Um, so no, yeah, I'm really happy. Lovely stuff. Very good. Very good. Good, clean fun. Nice, man. So oh, to man. sign out, uh, I don't know. Do you know? It's a mystery, Jimmy. A no, mystery which maybe one of us can solve if the other one isn't a murderer. I mean, a two-hander murder mystery. That's gonna, You're going to solve that relatively quickly as the audience, considering someone's dead and someone isn't. 
unless that's a massive twist. But how does that work? What a mess. Well, there you go. Coming soon. <laughs> we had to see it at the ending like about 30 seconds ago and then you went on this beautiful monologue it was very lovely <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to hear from you please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.